Well, those are some great truths to remind us of things to be thankful for. And if you're here and you're really thankful for short sermons, would you say amen? Yeah, no, listen, I'll just preach all. That's totally fine. I'll preach as long as you'll let me, right? Well, listen, if you're here and you're a guest, or maybe you haven't been with us when we've uh, celebrated the Lord's Supper, uh, I just preach kind of a devotion, a short sermon. Uh, we build most of the service around the Lord's Supper. And so if you're here and you're a baptized believer, you're welcome to participate with us. If that doesn't describe you at this moment, then just pass the elements to the person next to you and take that time to meditate on the truth that you've heard taught and sung and worshipped about today. So uh, this morning... Uh, uh, here's something you may or may not realize. I, I don't have any uh, authority or control over the songs that we sing on the weekend. Now, sometimes I'll say, hey, I want to do this song or this song, and, and uh, Kyle just says, well, I'll pray about that. And so, you know, that's how that goes. But uh, no, I just let him play in the service, and he gives me the sheet and says, hey, here's how much time you have, and here's where you're at in the service. And I say, great, that's fantastic. So, but I will say this, that on these services, what we do is we shorten it up, and we come back at the end, and we have a couple more worship songs to really celebrate what the elements represent, Christ's sacrifice and His soon coming. And so it's a celebratory time in doing that. But uh, even though we do lots of music, I've asked Kyle, we've been doing this now for almost the full eight years that I've been here, uh, these services, I said, hey, you know what? I said, one of these times that we do that kind of extended worship at the Lord's Supper, I'm like, how great would it be if I sang a, a solo? He's like, not as great as you think, all right? So, so I've tried lots of times. I've, I've written notes on there. I've sent him emails to have him work on this song or those kind of things. Not one single time has he ever scheduled me to do anything like that. So here's the deal. I've got the microphone, and so I'm going to sing a song this morning. Amen? And so before I sing, I'm going to invite you to join with me. And, uh, and so let me just kind of set up the song there, all right? 1962. A guy by the name of Paul Henning wrote the theme song to a popular sitcom about a poor family from the hills of Tennessee. Uh, this song was recorded by bluegrass artists and became the number one country western song that year. Uh, I'm sure if I gave you the chance, some of you could quote the lyrics to the entire song, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to sing the first little uh, verse here, and at any point where you're like, oh, I know the words, I'm going to invite you to sing along with me, all right? And then at the end of it, we're going to take a vote to find out who's the better worship leader, me or Kyle, all right? So... So I need you to sing out with you. So I'm going to start singing, and at any point in time, you're like, oh, I know the words. You just start singing along as loud as you can with me, all right? Does that sound good? Are you ready? Here we go. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. And then one day, he was shooting at some food, and up from the ground came a bubbling crude. Black gold, Texas tea, yeah. Listen. Whoa! <laughs> what are you doing? Now it's time for a vote. <laughs> oh, that wasn't in the script, by the way. And so, hey, listen, if, let Kyle know how much you're going to miss him uh, when he's gone and so that you've appreciated him and all that. So, hey, listen, how many of you <laughs> grew up watching the Beverly Hillbillies? Anybody grew up watching that? Yeah, lots of Christians in the room. That's good. That's good. All right? So here's the deal. When I grew up at my house, there were three shows we watched all the time. We watched the Beverly Hillbillies all the time. We watched All in the Family. How many of you watched All in the Family? Like, right? Like, I look back now, and I'm like, I don't know they could get away with some of the stuff they said on there now, right? And then we also watched faithfully Sanford and Son. We watched those shows all the time. Now, love the Beverly Hillbillies. It was funny, but here's the deal. It wasn't realistic, right? Like, no one strikes it rich like that. No one's hunting for squirrels or rabbits, and all of a sudden they, you know, hit gold, and their life has totally changed. And so now, except for the occasional lottery winner, no one goes from having nothing to having abundant resources overnight, right? Well, 
in our text this morning uh, for the devotion in 2 Kings chapter 4. There's a story about a widow who what appears to have nothing at all, no resources, is totally destitute on the verge of death, and all of a sudden God intervenes and a prophet changes her perspective, and literally in that instant she goes from having nothing, no resources, to having an abundance to be thankful for. And so this morning in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, let me just give you a little context as you're turning there. Uh, these were incredibly difficult times in the northern kingdom of Israel. King Ahab had married a non-Israelite woman, and uh, you may not be a Bible scholar, this may be your first time in church, but I'm guessing that you even know the name of his wife. He married a woman, and her name was Jezebel, all right? Now, by the way, if someone calls you that, they're not quoting scripture, and that's not a compliment, okay? She was a wicked woman, just a horrible woman, and so she spent part of her time as the king's wife killing off the prophets of God. And lots of commentators have speculated, you can't be dogmatic about it, but they've speculated that, that the uh, husband of this widow was one of the men, the prophets, who lost his life under the terror of Queen Jezebel at that time, okay? So that's kind of what's going on behind the scenes. This woman's husband was a prophet, he's died, she's destitute, and so that's where we're going to pick up the story here in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says this, A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now let me just pause right there. So in their culture, in their economy, if you didn't have a way to pay your debts, they could come and take your children. All right? So, so literally she's lost everything, and now she's getting ready to lose her, her children. And so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. And so she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. And so the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God. And he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. And so this story, it's an incredible, credible story. Miraculous intervention of God. And all of a sudden, in an instant, with a change of focus, here she's focused on, on what she doesn't have. And my husband has passed away. And, and I've just lost all the resources I have. I'm down to literally just a jar of oil. But all of a sudden, the prophet walks in. He says, hey, listen, I get all that. I know you've lost a lot. But what do you have to be thankful for? What do you have that when placed in the hands of God, God will make provision in ways that you cannot even imagine. If we're honest this morning, far too often we are like that widow woman in 2 Kings 4. We are incredibly aware of what we don't have. We are incredibly aware of what we used to have that we wish we still had. And often to the time we are ignorant of what God has placed right in front of us to cause thanksgiving in our hearts. Now in my first church uh, several years ago, gosh that's been 15 years ago now, uh, we recognize that uh, the Sunday, so we used to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting and you know we had prayer meeting, and so you take prayer requests for like 20 minutes, you know, you pray for 30 seconds, and you do Bible study, right? And so we'd have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Here's what I found out, though, that uh, I love Thanksgiving, right? Like, I, it's one of my favorite holidays. I love Thanksgiving. And so what would happen, though, is what I found out at that point in time is that if you've never made Thanksgiving, you don't understand 
And so the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, or actually the Tuesday before, we would move that service up because what happens is on that Wednesday, all kinds of preparation going to Thanksgiving. And so none of the ladies were like, oh, I'm so stressed out. I said, hey, let's do this. Why don't we take our Wednesday night Bible study before Thanksgiving and we'll move it to Tuesday, right? And then said, uh, someone said, can we do that? Is that in the Bible? I said, we'll be fine. Don't worry about it, right? So, uh, so we moved to Tuesday and I said, here's the deal. We're going to call it Tuesday night pie and prayer service. I said, I want you to bring two things. Number one, I want you to bring a pie. And my favorite is cherry cordial, so, so just pray about that, all right? And so I said, but the other thing is this. I want you to bring a testimony of Thanksgiving. I want to go around the room and I want to hear what God has done in your life, uh, how those kind of things. And so here's what happened. So we did this every year that I was there. So you would think after the second, third, fourth time, right? Like you'd be like, oh, people come with hands loaded with pies and hearts full of praise. And as soon as I said, now someone share a testimony, they'd be climbing over each other to share, right? Never. Like every single time when it came time to transition to the, the praise part, I just said, well, listen, you guys know the deal. Here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to open it up, and whoever has a testimony on their heart, I want you to share that, and we'll all celebrate the goodness of God this Thanksgiving, okay? And listen, every single time, crickets. Like every time. And I remember thinking, Lord, why have you called me to these ingrates, all right? Right? And like, like no one wanted to go first, and no one wanted to go first. It's awkward. Who's going to say something? Who's going to say something? So finally, like every single year, Tasha would speak up. She's a huge extrovert. And she would say, let's just thank God for our pastor. Can we just do that, right? And let's celebrate how good God has been in giving us uh, Pastor Brad. And then, like, look, listen, the dam broke, and then praises flew. Uh, they just flowed like Thanksgiving gravy, all right? Well, that's how I choose to remember. Anyway, here's the deal. We're not that much different from that little group of people in the basement of that first church I pastored. And that when it comes time to give a praise, we're slow sometimes. Sometimes we're searching, and we're very aware of all the things we don't have. We're very aware of all the things we used to have that no longer are there. We're very aware of all the things we'd love to have in place. And uh, if we're honest, we're not that much different than the lady here in 2 Kings chapter 4. What do you have? I have nothing. I have nothing to be thankful for. And Elijah steps in the scene, and he asks her kind of a question there. So, so what happens is this. We are oftentimes, we have to search, search for all the things to be thankful for. And reality is, uh, the things we're, we're uh, upset about or anxious about or not thankful for, those are right on the tip of our tongue if we're not careful. You know, I don't, I don't have a, a beautiful home, you may be thinking. Uh, I don't have a, a, a nice car. Last night, I get a text from my daughter. She says, hey, she said, I just pulled into work. I said, that's good. And she said, um, she takes a picture, uh, she says, uh, what is that orange thing lit up on my dashboard? I said, it's a bomb, run as fast as you can, right? No, so I said, uh, well, zoom in, so I zoom in, I said, oh, you've got to be kidding me, it's a check engine lights on. Now, I've got four cars, three of them run, one does not, uh, it's up on blocks in our front yard, and so that's, you know, but... Um, We've, we've got three cars that, that we run, and so look, here's the deal. All three cars right now, all three of them, the check engine light is on. And so Tosh said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to pray for God's miracle, right? We're just going to pray that God would continue to supply that. And so I, I'm so upset about that, and, and I know how much it is, and all that kind of stuff. You know what? Every one of those cars runs. Uh, two out of the three are paid for, and the third one's almost paid for. And you know what? I can't help but think of what's wrong with those cars, not the fact they're paid for and God's provided and all those kinds of things. I don't have a nice car. I don't have the job I want. I don't have a perfect marriage. I don't have the health I used to have. I don't have a wonderful family. Here's what I know that this week and heading to this part of the year, some of you at this part of the year, you know what happens? You can no longer ignore the fact that your family is dysfunctional. Amen? 
Like when it comes time for the holidays, some of you are like, oh, it's so great. Some of you are like, oh, right? And so we're, we're so aware of all the things that we don't have, all the things we wish God would fix, all the things we used to have that are no longer present. We're so focused on those things that if we're not careful, we'll neglect the very things God has said. Hey, you've got this, and it's from my hand, and therefore it's enough. We'll be just like that woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, the reality is something that this, in 2 Kings chapter 4, this woman's husband had died for, for whatever reason. Uh, she had owed so a lot of money, so everything of value in their life had been sold for food. They're literally just down to crumbs. Uh, they had probably burned all their furniture just to keep warm. They probably stopped going to, to the market because it just reminded them of all the things they did not have when they would go there. The very last thing of value was her two boys. And by the law, they could come and say, hey, you can't pay your debts. I'll take your son, and they'll work off your debts on your behalf. She's broke emotionally and spiritually and financially and probably weak and broken down physically as well. And so the very last thing she has to leverage is her relationship with Elisha. You see, her husband was one of the uh, prophets under the ministry of Elisha. And so Elisha comes into town. She's like, oh, finally, I can appeal to Elisha, those kind of things. And so uh, the text tells us that her husband was the company of prophets, again, working under Elisha. And so can you imagine when she sees Elijah, she's thinking, hey, fantastic, finally, <laughs> someone who can uh, help me here. You understand, my husband, you know him. And what's Elijah do? <coughs> Elijah does what you expect every preacher to do. He tries to take up an offering. And Elijah says, well, what do, you got, what do you got in the house? Now, can you imagine the conversation going on in her head? She's like us. When someone says something crazy, there's a whole conversation that plays in our head that hopefully never comes out of our mouth, right? She's thinking, are you, are you, are you serious? You, you just, you know that I'm destitute. You know that I'm struggling. You know they may come take my boys. You know that, that all, listen, all I, I have nothing. All I have is a, and Elisha says, what do you have? And in that moment, in that moment, he began to change her perspective. And the reality is he didn't say, listen, I, I, I'm aware that there's lots of things that you used to have you no longer have. But I want you to focus on what you do have because whatever you have in the hand of a God is enough. And it was a change of perspective. And all of a sudden, the person who had nothing realized that in the hands of God, God could do whatever he wanted. God intervened. She had everything that she needed, a change of perspective. Now, the reality is simply this. We're a lot that same way. And if we're not careful, then, then all the things we don't have will end up in, in dissatisfaction and discontentment. And those things left untended, guess what? Ends up growing a disappointment with God. And disappointment with God ends up distancing ourselves from God altogether. As a matter of fact, did you know this? That the, the antidote to all of that is thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul told the church in Philippians 4, he said, hey, listen, you'll worry less if you'll praise more. All the things you're worried about that you don't have, those things, you'll worry less about that if you'll praise God more. Listen to what he said in Philippians 4. He said, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so you know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, thanksgiving is not a holiday for a Christian. It's a lifestyle. 
that when we look at all that God has provided, and especially in providing His Son, Thanksgiving should be a lifestyle, not a holiday, for those who follow Christ. Now, if we're honest this morning, uh, there are times you have to get a little creative to be thankful, do you not? Uh, listen to this list that someone wrote uh, called uh, uh, the, the Creative Thanksgiving List. Here's what it said, the things you could be thankful for. The mess to clean up after a party because it means I've been surrounded by my friends. So on Thursday afternoon when you're cleaning up that disaster thing, just say, you know what, thank God for this. It's a reminder that I have friends, right? I'm sure that'll make you feel better as you're washing dishes. Thankful for the taxes I pay because it means I'm employed. The clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. Thankful for a lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. Thankful for the spot I find at the far end of the parking lot because it means I'm capable of walking. Thankful for all the complaining I hear about our government because it means we have freedom of speech. Thankful for a huge heating bill because it means I'm warm. Thankful for the, for the guy behind me in church who sings off key because it means I can hear. Now, I'm not as thankful for that as I should be. I just want to acknowledge that, all right? Thankful the piles of laundry and ironing because it means my loved ones are nearby. Thankful for the alarm clock that goes off early in the morning hours because it means I am alive another day to praise and serve Jesus. I'm thankful. 2009, Pastor Todd Stalker had an incredible life, thriving ministry, happy family, bright future. All of that changed when his 18-year-old daughter Mackenzie was killed in an automobile accident. And he said it wiped him out so emotionally that he, could, he couldn't minister out of a full, full heart. He says, I just need to walk away from ministry. I couldn't, I couldn't give to anyone else because I was so empty inside, so broken over this tragedy in our family. So, so Todd went to work for a friend's company that refined gold and silver. And as a refiner, Todd realized that the process of refining metal paralleled the grief and healing that his family was experiencing. And God taught him through that experience some incredible lessons. And so Todd wrote a book, and the title of the book was called Refined. And he said, through the pain of that tragedy, it brought to surface all the things in my life that, that I realized that I couldn't fix, I, couldn't, I didn't have answers for, and God began to work on my heart through all of that, just like when you heat metal up, all the impurities came to the top. And he said, through that experience, God taught me some incredible lessons. And listen to what he wrote. This is, this is incredible. Here's what he wrote. He said, thankfulness creates gratitude, which generates contentment that causes peace. Now, my guess is, I don't know what's on your Christmas list. My guess is this. If you could open up the tree and find more peace, you'd have a good Christmas. Hear what he said? Thankfulness creates gratitude, which generates contentment that causes peace. And so I'm very aware. There are some things that are no longer in your life that you wish there were. I'm very aware there's some things you just wish God would intervene and fix it. And if he did, your heart would be filled with joy and his praise would be on your lips. I'm very aware there are things you don't have, you'd love to have, used to have, and want to have. I'm very aware of all of those things. But the question before us this morning is the question that the prophet asked the widow, what do you have? What do you have to be thankful for? One of the reasons we always celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Sunday before Thanksgiving since I've been here, is simply this. Because in a world where it seems like at times everything is going wrong, the Lord's table reminds us there is one thing that went eternally right. Jesus Christ died for sinners like you and I. And if that's the only thing that has gone well in my life, listen, it is enough alone to be thankful and have praise on my lips for. And when everything else goes wrong, listen, that's the one thing that went right.
And so the reality is because of that, we want to spend some time this morning in preparing our hearts for the Lord's table. Here's what I want you to do. I just want to give you the first few moments here. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend some time this morning just pausing and thanking God for all that he's provided in your life. And I'm aware there are things that you wish you had and things God would fix and things you used to. I'm aware, listen, I'm not diminishing any of that. But I just want us to pause and, and be asked the question, what do you have? And as God brings those things to mind, I just want you to take the next few moments and just thank him for all the things that he's provided in your life. So would you just bow your head right now and in the next few moments here, would you just thank God for the things that he has provided during this time? head's still bad and your eyes still closed. The Bible also says that in preparing our hearts to come before the Lord's table, there should be a time of examination where we ask the Spirit of God to search our heart and to bring to mind those things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. And as we confess those to Him, guess what? His grace washes over us. Scripture says in verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11, but let a man examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. And so would you take the next moment or two and just ask the Lord to search your heart. And as God brings things to mind that you know aren't pleasing to Him, attitudes and actions and fractured relationships, would you just confess that to the Lord in full faith, knowing that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So would you just take a moment and have that time as you prepare your heart for the Lord's table this morning. God, as we come to the Lord's table this morning, we don't do so claiming perfection. But God, to the best of our abilities, the Spirit of God searching our hearts, we do want to come with pure motives. And so, Lord, forgive us of attitudes and actions that have grieved you. God, forgive us for hearts that have not been filled with thanksgiving. God, forgive us for all the times We've complained about what we did not have at the expense of praising you for what you've already provided. And so, Lord, as we come to these elements this morning, they are a reminder that if 
The death of Christ on our behalf is the only thing we have to be thankful for this season. It is enough. And so as we celebrate these elements, I pray that you're pleased with our worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Our deacons are going to come and pass the...